This is Kamkunji, a podcast series by Errant Praxis. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Kamakunji, a podcast series by Aaron Praxis. Aaron Praxis is a happening, a performance, an experiment, a digital gathering, and an active space to interrogate our complex modes of practicing in, from, and for the African world, the continent, its islands, diaspora, and imaginaries. It is an unfinished manifesto a manifesto in the multiple process of making and unmaking, stating and retracting, an unmanifesto. I'm Patiana Ori, the curator of Erin Praxis Project. I'm hailing you from Cabo Verde. Today I'll be speaking with Kabage Karanja in Nairobi, Kenya. Kabage is one of the dedicated collaborators of this initiative. Also part of the Erin Praxis Project are Sumaya Valley, Dikeo Seoasare, Christine Larac, Isabel Jolicoeur, and Dineo Mahale. Kamkunji podcast series is a space of unusual encounters and conversations triggered by the errant praxis members. It is a place where free radical questions open our guests into deeper reflections of their varying modes of praxis and cerebral meanings. In today's episode, we want to share with you the key ideas that are driving this initiative. Why we are doing what we are doing. Thank you for joining us. So, Patti, what would you say provoked the creation of Aaron Praxis? I know it began on the basis of a number of conversations we had, but it would be great to hear from your perspective. Okay, I mean, let's say that uh, uh, everything starts for a reason and it's long in the making. So while there was a provocation that started this particular initiative, I think we can all relate, especially us who have been, who are part of the Saren Praxis, but beyond this, our community, let's say, of architects, working uh, from the African continent and from the African continent in its most broad sense of the word, we have a series of inquietudes and restlessness of navigating through the various institutions of the profession and the discipline, particularly in our context, right? Uh, We have the legacies of colonialism, Uh, We are in a constant and multiple process of always making and unmaking, undoing and reconstructing, you know, concepts, ideas, operations, as you mentioned earlier. So when asked to curate practices from the African continent, I was put in a position where I had to question, what does it mean to practice in the continent and for the continent? Uh, and from the continent, <laughs> it's, it's a multiple positions, and engage in a um, global discourse of architecture. And the global discourse of architecture, uh, as I mentioned before, is a space of um, very 
problematic institutions sometimes, or institutions who, which have not yet decolonized in, in the broader sense of the word, who don't have the language even to sometimes engage with us in a more, I don't want to say the word proper, but in a more equal and appropriate manner. Of course, I'm mentioning all the entanglements and problems, but it is also a space of possibilities. I mean, I want to keep that very clear. This is also born from all the incredible and inspiring work of colleagues and friends and partners in, in this context, in this broad context of the African world. And here I have to say, as we say in our statement, you know, the continent, its islands, diaspora, and its imaginaries. Thank you, Patty. So just throwing a few spanners in the works, the reality is there's always the question of value and also the value relating to content and how we as, should I say, Africans or diasporan Africans value our work and how our work is valued by others. And the two be, in many respects, quite interlinked. And I think within that whole value and unvalued process, a lot happens where they often place, well, I say they, but our content is often placed in that silo effect of who values it and who says it's valuable to be shared. And I know we've had conversations about how we are treated and also how we treat ourselves to value our own work. And it's, it's a bit of a dilemma, isn't it? It's a space we're trying to define or a territory where our context, our, should I say, our content is put into question, not only by us, but by the world and how that is taken on board to be disseminated in exhibitions, journals, or what have you. And so at that infancy, it feels like. So in a way, parent practice seems to be delving into that territory of, of questioning value, you know, of, of our content to begin with. And I don't know if you're, you know, you have a perspective in that regard. Yes, I mean, I think that um, we still are, let's say, dependent in some ways on platforms of validation, which are also platforms of aspiration, where we can share our work, right? So, so those are also institutions that have certain modes of operation and are predominantly in, let's call, the Western world. We, and this is one of the inquiries, at least as we engage with other guests in this podcast series, is can we create our own institutions? Of course we can. But, I mean, what kind of institutions do we need or, or should we aspire for or should we be creating or anti-institutions that will give us this space of, of uh, validation and recognition for the multiple modes of operating? For me, on a personal note, when I am invited, you know, to contribute content, it's always in a position of, oh my goodness, how am I going to explain this content, content also? How does one 
really, does one need to explain this content? I mean, you know, and this is something that I had put in the concept note initially, which is, you know, quoting a curator, a, a contemporary African art curator, who says, you know, we are, you know, we have the responsibility, I'm not quoting uh, verbatim, but of explaining for those who have the privilege of not knowing. It is a position where we are, yes, it's, as you mentioned, a question of value. How do we value our work? How our work is valued? How it's explained? How it's engaged with? What is it expected to speak for? So when we are asked to curate for, you know, an exhibition and it's the African architecture or African architecture, that in itself is a, a, a way of posing the question, which is, it's a complex uh, question for us who are practicing from here. Aaron Praxis was very much inspired to experiment with what are the available resources that we have, uh, say, digital communication-wise, for us to actually begin to, to think and create a forum to think about what platforms we can create to have the opportunity to, to pose these questions. Because when we send our work, we send it packaged, and we are not, also not given the opportunity sometimes to explain it, and not to explain it, to engage in conversation about it. So you send it, you package it, uh, you have different strategies, you provoke, you subvert, you try to uh, summarize and and so on and so forth, but we're also not giving a full platform to, to critically speak about it. And just as you speak about platforms, I think this is probably a great opportunity to delve right in into certain initiatives uh, we're provoking, certain initiatives we're setting up. Because as you highlighted, there is a question of resources. There's a question of what do we have to create this platform, whatever it is? Um, and in, for us, in this regard, we have a website, we have a social media perspective, we have an internal network of communication of these different practices, thinking about how we practice, how we communicate, how we practice. Um, but the, the key point here is resource I wanted to highlight. This has been created almost without any formal monies in place. It has been almost a barter trade of sort between practices giving their thoughts, giving their ideas and their time to shape it. And if there ever was a sort of reduced, uh, should I say, resource given to this initiative, it's just this. There's been no money exchange. There's been no formal <laughs> setting up except for maybe some domain investment that we had to put. And so it's almost at a datum level, at the reduced point where you're saying this is almost the minimum you can do. But what's exciting is we've scripted the minimum in quite a poetic way, where we have quite a unique website that tells these stories. And in a way, juxtaposed to that, there is our reading of the Biennale in Korea. It'd be great to get your, your view on to now this package of, or should I say, this collective of practices who will be presenting something, but 
with the perspective of a Biennale going on, uh, South Korea to be specific, which, if we're being honest, you are invited to curate a sort of African component to the exhibition. I'd like to hear you delve into how that came into the picture, uh, which then now provoked as well an entry into Aaron Praxis, uh, because I think it is quite critical to the whole object, really, of, of this exercise. Thank you for mentioning two very provocative but very descriptive um, ideas, that of bartering and the, f and the bare minimum, curating or creating uh, the minimum, right? It could even be... It could even be the title of, a, of an exhibition, Curating the Minimum. But this was our choice, right? And, and when, when the other uh, initiative fell through, or yes, I was invited to, to be the curator for Biennale, it didn't go forward uh, for various reasons. And I've decided to do a parallel happening, let's call it, uh, to accompany that and to honor all the participants who, who I had engaged in conversation with, and those were the names yourself and the names that I mentioned earlier. But curating the minimum as a choice is, um, is a very particular thing. Being asked to curate with the minimum, uh, it's a different position. So I think that this is a matter of taking a position. Uh, where are the limits of what we are asked to do with so little? Uh, how do we set those limits? How do we honor and value our work so that, yes, we want to engage and we do recognize the importance of engaging in a global discourse uh, about architecture, about our practices, but we do have our minimums, and that is something that for me was very important to establish. It's a different thing if I am engaged in an openly direct manner with people I'm bartering with and who relate to this and who are in a relationship of mutual respect um, and we find ways to curate a minimum. So I don't know if I answered, but. This is, this is about taking a position and finding where is the line between what is your minimum, what are you willing to do for, what are you willing to do for the minimum amount, and this amount could be in any form, shape, uh, time, resources, etc. Yeah, and I think it, it delves quite nicely into an ontological understanding of our context. We in the continent and the diaspora exist in a certain reality, and it's a reality with immense pressures, not to say the rest of the world doesn't have pressures. It's sort of a global South paradigm where our reality is defined by certain constraints. You know, needless to say, a very complex post-colonial context which we maneuver through, and we, we end up maneuvering through it in a sort of survival for the fittest mode, very often not reflecting on this condition, and a condition that can also be very productive in the creative sense with a very little, sort of a very reduced uh, opportunity that we're, we're crafting. 
And I think it's a space of a lot of strength as well, because it frees us from a lot of baggage <laughs> that comes with other institutions that have very robust programs, even just the Biennale itself, it has very fixed budget, but a budget, nevertheless, can be substantially split between individuals. While here, it's almost from the heart. It's almost very visceral and internal, giving opportunities to to almost lower your guard and, and be vulnerable, because after all, it's, it's just what it is. We just came together, almost sitting around the fire, uh, so to speak, uh, with more modern technologies from website, Skype, podcast, naturally, email technology, but it's almost the same thing. To a certain root, a root of, of communal togetherness to discuss very complex things. And so it's quite nice that it's going back to, to reflecting on this deficient space, <laughs> which you can call it deficient, uh, but deficient in the more conventional sense of, Yes, you don't have money to make this thing big. But what do we have? We have almost everything. We've brought in fantastic individuals. And um, what would be nice is if you can delve into certain strategies we have. Uh, Daniel, who's obviously our errant member on the ground in Korea, uh, who's, with, you know, you, your support and Sumaya have sort of scripted something really exciting I hope you could maybe delve into that a little because it, it's 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 more than just saying, okay, we come together, we have a website, we have this podcast, we're talking, but it's now, what are you doing? And it goes back to the word you like to use, a happening. There's something going to happen. There's, there's something on the, on the cards. What is going to happen, Patty? Well, first of all, yes, I like this idea that you said... Um about coming together almost by the fire. Um, and, and it's a good analogy because, you know, we are kind of comforted in, in this communal space uh, and we are very permissive. And that's something that I've been repeating throughout these past few weeks and months of preparing, uh, which is let's be permissive. Let's allow ourselves to, to be messy, to experiment, it is truly an independent initiative. It is truly uh, unfunded <laughs> or self-funded. And therefore, let's be kind and supportive, but let's be experimental and let's try to, to, to support each other in all of this. So, so one of the initial ideas is that this initiative would have a beginning and an end and the end is not established it will end when it can no longer uh, sustain itself it could be revitalized at any point it is set it's like a seed it can hold uh, the possibilities of a forest but it could also be dried in uh, and, and stay um, in stasis for quite some time. So that's one aspect, this kind of time-space time uh, strategy. And then there's another one, which is what do, what do we have to work with? And you mentioned, um, you know, the resources that we now have, which are available to almost everyone. Of course, we're not going to the, enter into the discussion of the asymmetries of the digital world, which also affect our continent. But let's say that 
we can work with social media, we can work with um, these available applications for editing, recording, we can work with people, uh, and Dineo, as you mentioned, she's in South Korea, and she is an active participant, she's our eyes, she's also an architect, a South African architect living in this kind of third space, as she calls it, who wants to engage uh, the BNL, who wants to, to participate, right, and who would have been participating uh, officially, but now is participating, uh, as you mentioned yesterday, as a clandestine, in a clandestine manner. So she's there um, and will engage people, uh, public space. She'll make herself available for discussion. She'll, there'll be a parallel happening. It'll be a performance in the sense that uh, she is taking on a role. She is occupying different positions in a city where she lives, but she is inhabiting uh her role as an architect, her role as an errant in this project, her role as a South African living in Korea, her role as an observer, and as someone who could actually be engaged with. The other initiatives are the podcast series, and uh, we will be engaging with a lot of people from across the world who are dealing with tangentially, directly, or indirectly, with these inquietudes, with these questions, with these deconstructing of inherited legacies, with the search for other ways of, of making, uh, other ways of producing architecture and discourse, of producing knowledge. And, of course, we will be activating social media. We want this to grow. We want to, you know, we are only seven or eight right now, but we welcome people who, who have questions for us, who have questions in, the, in general, who want to contribute, who want to make a statement. So we will make the platform available to them. And hopefully our, we will become stronger in this kind of network of people practicing. <laughs> architecture or practicing for and from our continent. So just something that came to mind as you were speaking to do with the certain tools we're using. It's, it's quite interesting to, to reflect on, on these tools, although technology is perceived as something as very progressive, I think Heidegger had an interesting view on what technology is as really, at the end of the day, being us. Because we exert our, our meaning onto objects and things, including technology, blah, blah, blah. What's exciting here is you can very equally look at a computer or cables, miles and miles of fiber optic cables, as a rudimentary cave tool. Why I say cave tool is because we're using what what we have in our midst to help us question something. And we're using these tools in a quite epistemological way where we're trying to study the exhibition, this biennale, but more specifically the content, and more so the African content, Global South content. With these tools, we want to delve in 
And I think Dineo will be carrying out certain interviews, certain gatherings of meaning, of content, and we would sort of um, chew it up, how would I say, um, ingest and, and read it for what it is based on being, uh, being practitioners within enough and reflect on it. So in a way, we're using the Biennale a sort of study. It's a test bed, uh, our first analysis, analysis of our views of practice, our views of how practice is represented within the continent and outside the continent. And in a bizarre way, we're almost playing with the representation of our praxis, not only on this digital platform, but via Dineo, who is our agent, a quite talented agent as well, who will be enacting certain things that uh, communicate and, and maybe embed our, our certain modes of praxis on the streets of South Korea. What do you feel about, about that angle? It's an experiment, okay? Uh, I mean, we know that uh, nowadays as architects, as creatives, we have multiple languages to work with. We have uh, broken uh, the boundaries of the discipline, let's say. Uh, we can use different tools, different languages to, to create and to, to, to make and to make discourse. Obviously, um, we are experimenting with the possibilities of, um, of performance because she will have props. She will be standing in place. She will be taking a position. She will have a prop that will grow along uh, the timeline of the Biennale. She'll have a prop that, that starts with a square and continues on to take on more space, take on more public space. It's an experiment also and a question about what does it mean to position yourself in a public space uh, for a dialogue about public space in some ways. You know, we, we are architects and space is our, is our subject matter also. I don't know if I answer directly what you're asking, but I think that it is even technology and even, even these available um, mediums that we're working with, we are using them as tools, uh, as tools and as language in the very potent way that it can be language, that it could be interrupted, that it could construct meaning. That's what I think is important about the importance about what we're doing, we're constructing meaning also. In a messy way, perhaps, in a very tentative way sometimes, in a very provocative, provocative way other times, but we are constructing meaning uh, by working with these different languages. You touched on something interesting that rang a bell in my mind to do with the language. Regarding language, we have a number of languages, and you can talk about it on the literal sense in the African continent, but my question is not so much to do with that, because we have a lot of different speakers with, as part of the praxis, but more so to do with practice languages. I just, you know, throw it out there to do with CAVE. We have a very 
uh, geological and anthropological perspective on looking at the practice of active in the continent, because there's the cliche, yes, that man emerged from Africa, but I guess we take it on to uh, architectural perspective and looking at, yes, literally the cave as being the origin, as the first structure mankind encountered, but beyond that, uh, into buildings that have transgressed over time um, into more artifice kind of caves that are made by men and women. And it would be good to reflect on this language that each of us have generated through painstaking times, through mind-numbing moments of, of thought, being lost, being vulnerable, feeling, oh, what the heck am I doing in the first place? And I think the languages we've developed uh, are things we've held on quite dearly. Thank you, Kabage, for the very provocative and insightful commentary. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to the errant members who are not present in this episode, but you will hear from. Uh, Somaya Valley, Dineo Mahale, Dike Oseo Asare, Christine Larac, and Isabel Jolicar. In our next episode on imagining new black institutions, we will be speaking with Mabel Wilson, professor of architecture and associate director at the Institute for Research in African American Studies at Columbia University in New York. And in following episodes, we will be speaking with curators, artists, architects, creatives, critical and restless researchers addressing the entanglements of the architecture discourse and practice. Please join us.